Welcome back to the Dash Podcast. I have here with me Mr. Brian McClure of Lessons for SEL. I started following this guy almost a year ago, right after we went into quarantine and met him through a woman named Claudine Miles and We Restore More. But Brian and his company, Lessons for SEL, has six-minute SEL lessons. They've now expanded to circle kits, curriculums, books, and so much more. So I'm really excited to have him on and to talk about his journey through education, his lessons for SEL, and all the new things that are coming up. So Brian, thanks for joining us, and I hope you're doing well. Yeah, thank you for having Byron. me. I said Brian, Byron, excuse Listen, me. Listen, you know what's funny? I have an identical twin brother mm. named Brian. So okay. I literally have been called Brian my yeah, entire right. life. So I'm yeah, used so to I it. It makes me feel like I'm at home. <laughs> no, it's great. It makes me feel like I'm at home. So. Okay, okay. <laughs> shout out to, shout out to uh, identical twin. Yes, yes, yes. Good. Well, well, tell me about yourself then. Tell me about the twin I got on the line, Mr. Byron McClure. Yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, my mission uh, in this work in life has always been to uh, make sure that I'm working towards improving outcomes uh, for youth and people who look like me um, within the space of education and psychology and mental health. Um, everything that I do is working towards uh, racial justice, racial equity, um, economic empowerment for people who look like me. Um, grew, grew up in PG County which is a predominantly African-American place in the DC, Maryland area um, in, in Maryland. And uh, I remember um, growing up and my father taking us to the Million Man March back in 95, I believe. And my father always instilling those values like uh, these are, are your people. And so you will never make it if you don't go back and bring your people along with you. Like that's your job as a black man um, to make sure that we are moving our culture, our legacy, our people forward uh, together. And so that sense of community has always been instilled in the work that I'm doing, um, which is funny, it's interesting. Um, my father, he was a, a preacher um, growing up and uh, he worked in Southeast DC. And it's amazing how things come full circle because my work uh, has brought me back to Southeast DC um, in particular at Anacostia High School, carrying out that exact mission that was instilled in me in an early age, uplifting my community. Um, and I've been lucky to continue this work um, in the Anacostia community, um, working with youth who look like me. Um, and that work looks like, you know, providing mental health supports, focusing on SEL um, and developing lessons and things so that we can move uh, together collaboratively and really move towards economic empowerment. Um, ultimately, like that, that should be a goal. You know, racial equity and social justice, all of those things are cool, but we also have to have economic empowerment, which all of these things I'm, I'm, I've purposed myself uh, to work relentlessly towards. How about okay? How about now? perfect? There oh, we go. So, sorry about that. Um, I, I think I think everything that you said is is on point. You know, you 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 know, being in a place where your father is a man of service, a man of honor, a man of valor, being able to stand on his shoulders and, and to do your thing, it's another level of commitment. And you know, I know there's all kinds of privilege, but I feel like as a black man yourself, myself, to be able to have a father who. Mm -hmm. shows me those kind of things that's taking me to the million man march that's showing me about community that's a privilege and man, i'm gonna wear is. that privilege on my sleeve and i'm gonna pay it forward just like he did to me and probably a whole lot of other people 
in your um, community. So I think that's dope. And I, I want to talk a little bit too about how you did that and now your dream is a reality or, or, or that, that idea of service is a reality. And I know for myself, I was a part of, or my mom was a part of the Civil Rights Heritage Center at Indiana University, South Bend. And so I went to underground railroad museums and, and different houses and, and locations like that. And it instilled that same type of thing. Once I watched the movie Malcolm X, I was like, wow, I kind of understand what he's talking about. Like I can, I, that his place of conviction, his place of faith, faith really drove me and how he felt for his people. And so over time, I started connecting the dots. I see you have a background in psychology, um, as do I, not, not the school psychology level, but undergrad. And psychology led to understanding upward mobility, led to understanding emotional intelligence, to communication, to education, to SEL. Okay, now I got something I can work with. I got SEL, which connects with restorative practices. This is a systematic approach. So it, it starts from something, like you said, going to the Million Man March. But now there's so much inside of what started at the Million Man March almost 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. How do we connect those dots? If, if you feel, because I'm, I'm, that's what I'm hearing and what you just said in your opening statement. Yeah, and I think even going from the Million Man March up to where we are now, what my dad was doing was instilling a certain uh, belief, certain values and identities within me and my brothers. And even now what I'm doing in my work, it's the same thing, um, just through a different vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, to me, it's all lumped in together in social development. And yep. when we're talking about social emotional learning, you should be talking about social development mm -hmm. of children so that they're developing a certain set of skills. And what that also includes are skills, not just self-awareness, social awareness, there responsible decision, the decision making, those five core SEL skills, but also themes of self-identity, skills mm. that are culturally affirming yeah. that's what my dad was doing with my brothers yeah. and i said these are a million black men with powerful values and themes of uh, building up your com community and lifting as you grow and as you build and that's what to me sel is is instilling those skills and values in our children affirming mm -hmm. their identities and their beliefs of who they are and what they can become as well which is a very powerful thing. Um, to me, that is how you can actually begin developing a child. So, and what will happen once you begin instilling those skills, you'll see academic achievement go up. You'll see pro-social behavior go up. You'll see reductions in things like conduct mm -hmm. problems. You'll see decreases in things such as emotional distress. And what that does, it will actually, you can, the research predicts that students who have these skills have higher outcomes and are more successful post-secondary, mm. post-school post yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but to me, it starts with affirming those identities and values and beliefs over time. I, I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, that, that, that's, it's so true in, in to come from the place of the, the cultural responsibility and, you know, understanding, understanding our language and understanding our culture and even thinking the back now um, using Castle's framework a couple years ago to adopt our evidence-based program. And I, I still use Castle. I base a lot of different things off Castle. 
but we're in the second year of our implementation program. And now I'm seeing things like lessons for SEL and, and restore more and different opportunities of, of, of actual black people who have curriculums it's a whole nother situation now than we had available to us um, or that I knew about rather just a couple of years ago. So, you know, I'm, I'm starting to see um, the shift. I already knew there was a shift, but I, I didn't know the options were there two years ago. And, and, and even that they were there a couple of years ago. I know I'm just getting to the place now, you know, for yourself, how are some of the ways that you're making um, these options available to people. I know you've got some things that have come out recently. I think you've got some new stuff coming up. Um, I know you've got videos that come out every week. So talk to me about how um, you're adding value to people consistently, oftentimes for free. Yeah, man. And I think that you can look at it from a perspective, either you're educating people or you're going to entertain people. And which one is it? And with Lessons for SEL, um, I've purpose that we are going to provide content that is educating people. Um, and that's whether it's through our blogs and our articles or through our videos or providing on our website, those SEL and racial equity resources. Um, I think it's important to, to provide information that people can use so mm -hmm. that they can actively work towards improving outcomes for their children. As an example, one of the things that um, I, I wrote an article um, on Dr. James Comer, uh, who to me should be credited with founding uh, social emotional learning. People mm. don't know that. Um, people don't have that understanding and knowledge of where SEL comes from. So what happens because people don't have that knowledge, they'll say things such as SEL is becoming whitewashed or SEL isn't for black people. When the very foundation, the very premise of social emotional learning, it was crafted back in the 1960s during one of the most racially tense time eras hmm. that our country has ever seen. Of course, you have to account for slavery, but the 1960s was one of the most racially tense yeah. times that we've seen. And Dr. James Comer, he was a man talking about, I'm going into schools in the hood in New Haven, Connecticut, where people don't know this. Of course, you have the Black Panther Party who was big out in Oakland, but the Black Panther Party was big in New Haven, Connecticut. Hmm. What Dr. James Comer said is, I'm gonna go into these hoods and we're gonna take some of these same principles where we're gonna affirm the identities. I'm gonna preach uh, this social development. And we're gonna, uh, he, he started using this term, we're gonna look at the whole child mm. to improve academic outcomes. He was like, the whole child, what is that? Well, it sounds an awful lot about the whole child movement that's happening now. But this yeah. black man back in the 1960s wow. was preaching that, but people don't know that now, right? Yeah. And so what I'm doing is providing that content to educate the masses about where these things come from, mm. that they have the understanding of people like Dr. James Comer, who worked on this social development so that we could actively work to improve outcomes for black youth and youth who look like me and you. So yeah. that we can actively say that SEL is a practice of culturally affirming people and building up identities and focusing on their strengths. And now we're getting that information out. And on my end, it's being consistent in the delivery and so that people can say, hey, Lessons for SEL has this article. Have you heard about it? Mm. No. And they start sharing this information and learning like, hey, yeah, it was this black man. Uh, so making sure that I'm uh, serving as a vehicle to provide this content and educating people uh, about the, the, the true origins of SEL, amongst other things. 
That's man. That's that's real right there. You you got me about to say amen for a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know that's 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 something for me for sure. I've known and been asked sometimes as well. I'm, I've known that SEL was founded in the '60s and '70s, and I've heard that before, but I haven't heard of any Godfather. So I've talked to some elders um, or, or in in the game in in uh, you know different universities and things. But I think that there's something to be said there, and I'm not surprised. Rather that. Um, you know, there is a man like like James, Dr. James Comer, that has done this because you see, I think a lot of what connects the dots for me, my cousin, um, Keith Gamage, ran for Solicitor General in Fulton County. And okay. while he was running for that process, this was right after Trump won 2016. And just being frank, I didn't vote in 2016. I thought it was stupid. I didn't understand why these people were running. I thought it was foolish and didn't want to waste my time voting on it. Sure enough, Trump wins and, and I, I'm like, dang, that's crazy. I see my cousin win and he's, he runs on smart, fair, restorative practices. And like restorative, what's restorative justice? Restorative justice, restorative justice in, in, in asset-based community development and SEL and those kind of things started to run together. And, and then you see the entire economics and the terms school community make a whole nother it's a whole nother sense because we're not just, someone said something really profound to me last night. Um, people still consider SEL, like when, when you give somebody SEL, you feel bad for somebody. Mm. That kid needs SEL. I, I feel oh, bad. Right. Johnny, he's been through so much. We need an SEL program for him. Th th this is not a deficit-based program or perspective right. that we're teaching from. And, and I think what you are saying and what your programs do are, are come from an asset-based approach. And I love, I love that extra uh, competency or competencies of self-identity. And, and that, that's what's so lost. I was told this week, because so many things have been going on, to try to slow down and ask yourself, Trey, who are you? Who are you right now? You just had a baby, you just got a house, you got a lot of changes going on. Pause for a minute and, and re-identify with yourself. I know you've done that before, but do it again. Slow down, find that identity, find a place. And, and, and personally, being at a place where you have practices and consistent routines that help you develop these processes that you can fall back on something. So um, I'm, you got me really excited here. What kind of, what are you seeing people want more of? What are people enjoying that you've got going on? Yeah, what I'm saying is people want more of the lessons. <laughs> people want. Um, something that's quick, that's easy, that's feasible to do. Um, people want to know, like, how can I integrate social emotional learning uh, inside of my classroom? And so that's one of the things, again, that I've purposed to do is to provide educators with practical strategies, tools, and resources that, that they can start tomorrow. Um, mm -hmm. Aside from the lessons, I also see that um, a lot of educators and uh, districts and leadership, um, they want to know that how does SEL fit in into this whole racial equity uh, conversation? Um, they, they, there's a lot of questions. Um, there's a lot of unknowns. And one of the things that is persistent, I get questions on a daily basis of how can we focus on SEL and how can we use SEL as a lever to promote equity mm -hmm. uh, within our space? Um, and so that's an area that really hasn't been that tapped into. Um, and we see with a lot of the traditional SEL curriculums and programs and companies out there, that's not a focus that they have. 
um, they're focused on on the large majority. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have people like myself with Lessons for SEL. You have people like uh, Claudine with We Restore More. I mean, you have people um, like Kristen with Dangers of the Mind um, who are now pushing the envelope and saying that this is culturally affirming practices of SEL. Um, this is how you infuse that SEL and racial equity piece together. Um, and so you, you, the people like us, like we're, we're working to, to move the needle and really push those things forward. Mm -hmm. what, what is, what's next? What, where is for, for you to serve your purpose, for you to, to take the next step or, or to just get better at what you're doing? Is it, is it more schools that you need to contact, more posts that you need to make, more lessons that come out? What, what do you need to do next to, to keep on making um, the vision real for yourself and others? Yeah, I think one thing, um, especially for, uh, for you know, Black individuals, people of color who are entering into this SEL space, um, one question that we're all going to get asked is, uh, what's the research behind it? Um, what's the evidence base? And so I think something that's not discussed a lot is increasing the amount of research into curriculums like a dangers of the mind or a six minute SEL so that we can say we have this evidence base. So those larger districts and schools, they'll say, mm. all right, this is an evidence based mm. curriculum. We can integrate it because the reality is that's a barrier for a lot of folks like yeah. myself and uh, for some of the other folks who are, are pushing this culturally affirming SEL practice into getting into some of these larger districts. People want that evidence base. Um, the reality is the evidence base, just there's not a lot that's out there. Um, my dissertation, my research uh, was grounded in um, castle select programs that are the most effective for minority students from mm. high poverty communities. And what I found, there aren't that many SEL yeah. programs that meet castles rigorous standards that are specifically geared towards youth of color from high poverty communities. So there needs to be, to answer your question, there needs to be more development on the research side and the evidence base of these curriculums. Wow. I think that's, that's, that's surprise. that has to be a priority um, for us to continue moving uh, our work forward um, mm -hmm. get, and getting our products and resources out uh, to the masses. Um, and then there just has to be um, a level of, of education that comes along with it. Um, it's hard to, you know, to, to get your messaging out uh, to the world and to the masses. And so letting people know that, hey, the dangers of the mind curriculum exists or a six minute SEL mm -hmm. exists or Claudine and her work at We Restore More, that these programs and products exist. And so getting it out there uh, yeah. so that we can start tapping into that share of the market. We need a catalog. Absolutely, absolutely. Of, and and there's, there's, I've seen a lot of different things coming out of, you know, just kind of collections or Rolodexes of people that you can contact with stuff for free and whatnot like that. But I think there's, I know there's enough of us out there to, you know, make a change and make a difference. I think, you know, with the evidence base, that's real. And, and I know you have a background in research and, and that may be common language to a lot of folks. But when you think about evidence base and Castle's terms, you know, I, I mentioned I was reviewing the process and, and really in, enjoyed Castle's process. But mm -hmm. like you said, the evidence base and looking at the curriculums, it, it's tough to find one that's relevant to yourself. So there, there's, to just say it out loud, there's tiers to Castle's evidence-based approved curriculums, essentially. And one is the highest tier. Is that the select? 
Yeah, so it's Castle Selecting. What they do, they review. They have an entire body. Uh, their sole purpose is on reviewing SEL curriculums um, and then giving them the, the Castle Select designation, which means that they meet a certain standard. I um, mean, you have to have certain things. One, you have to uh, practice what they call safe practice, meaning they have to be sequenced, active, focused, um, and evidence-based, of course, uh, mm -hmm. lessons or, or explicit lessons. Um, if you don't have that, you can't be a Castle Select program. You have to have, um, based on a study, it has to have a control group and a treatment group. Um, and if you don't, that's randomized. And if you don't have that, mm -hmm. then you can't be a Castle Select program. At the time when I completed my research, there was only, I have seven programs that met that criteria wow. out of all the SEL curriculums that's there. It's not a lot. Um, and mm -hmm. then when you drill down, like specifically for, for Black people or for, you know, Latino students, it becomes less and less and less. And so, yeah, like Castle has a very rigorous set of criteria. Um, and if you don't meet that criteria, then mm -hmm. there's no way to become a, a Castle Select program. And what happens in larger districts, uh, oftentimes what they'll do, they'll just go to uh, that Castle guy and see, all right, what's the Castle Select programs? They'll close their eyes and just pick one. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean it's going to be a good fit, um, you know, but that's what people are doing. Yeah. And so for, for Black people and curriculum developers and uh, people who have programs, uh, I think it's important for us to be able to get on that list so that these larger districts can start mm -hmm. utilizing our materials. So, so what is it? What is it that you think um, that that you think we need? And I, and I saw Castle did update their processes as well, and, it, and it's, there's a little more rigorous, and there's there's a mm -hmm. few more standards that you've got to meet. Um, there may be some more leniency, but this bar is higher to begin with, so the leniency puts you back at where it was. So, yeah. I, I see that is is there. Is there another framework that needs to be followed for, for folks to back us up? Is there another um, Center for Children or, or grant company that the Wallace Foundation that needs to back up a Black organization? What, what needs to happen to get um, research backed into programs that are restorative in nature and in, in, in cultural in nature? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a sensational question that you ask. Um, again, the reality of the matter is that a lot of these curriculums that become uh, those castle select programs have major institutions backing them. A lot of them are backed by universities. A lot of them, for example, um, which one is it? Where Dana Simmons was at, um, Ruler with Mark Brackett, yeah. um, like that is backed by Yale. Yeah, how you <laughs> like want to the, compete with that? You know what I mean? So like, that's that's tough, you know? Yeah. And so what, what needs to happen is that we need to learn how to navigate these spaces or we need to be in a position where we're saying, we're going to create our own. Like, you know, we don't need to become a Castle Select program. Is Castle yeah. checking for us? And if yeah. not, we need to be able to say, hey, we're going to create our own body and focus on getting our resources out okay. to, the, to our people because our people need it. So, you know, but that takes organizing, that takes power, yeah. you know, and how do we shift those powers? And, and that's a conversation that, that needs to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, I, I think that's, that makes a lot of sense. And I was going to say too, you know, for somebody who's building curriculum or just getting out, I know part of my pivot during the pandemic was putting my in-person trainings into online curriculum. And so my focus is adult SEL and, and giving the, I, I think that's the prerequisite before we, 
give mm -hmm. SEO for students. Let's get our adults educated um, from that perspective. So from uh, there's there's a guy I listen to as well called um, his name is Dorian in Group 82 Music, and he's um, he's an independent artist, really really a lot. He kind of extra, but but I like I like his style. I, I could pick up what he's putting down, and and it's it's really cool because he analyzes what other folks are saying and then breaks it down. But in in his mind, he talks about being an independent artist and like hey. A record label, they have their own agenda. They might get you X, Y, and Z if you get on that platform or that radio play. But if you're independent, you can eat forever. So when, when you're a, a new entrepreneur, black entrepreneur, whatever the case is, what, what is your mindset when it comes to, you know, creating something, owning something versus, you know, I, I'm not at a place or, or willing to be at a place to say, hey, you know, I need, I need, I, I don't know. I need a hundred thousand dollars. Here's fifty percent of my company. I don't know what that's like, you know. So, what, 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 uh, what is a a goal or, you know, a place that that makes you feel confident and comfortable for being an independent entrepreneur that's black in education? Yeah, man, that's a that's an excellent question and one that we need to be having that conversation in our community. I was listening to an interview on The Breakfast Club with uh, Master P and Charlamagne Tha God and all those guys. And Master P, one of the things that he was saying, he was talking about investments in the Black community. Um, and he talked about how um, sometimes, whether you're an independent artist, an entrepreneur, business owner, that sometimes we're fearful and hesitant of giving up percentages of our companies. Um, and so he talked about, would you rather own 100% of a $10 company? Would you rather own 51%, you're still the majority owner of a billion dollar company or a million dollar company? And of course, what he was getting at is you would rather have skin in the game of that million dollar company yeah. or the company that's producing revenue um, versus saying that, yes, you're independent, but you don't own anything. Mm -hmm. And so what, what that takes is, man, at, at, the, at the end of the day, like for our community, like we're not used to navigating those spaces. That's real. There's a very small percentage of us who have entered in and who can actually intelligently have these type of conversations. Mm -hmm. um, there's just a certain area of where we're naive to these things. Um, the best illustration I can give is like comparing it to like student loans. And for a lot of people, I'll use myself as an example. My father was the first one in his family to go to college, to go to school. Like my dad's dad, my grandfather was a sharecropper. Mm. And so like my dad just learned how to navigate the education process. So by the time me and my brothers got ready for school, are we taking all school loans? Cause we thought that's what you did. And that once we finish, we'd be able yeah. to pay it all off. Like nobody explained <laughs> not financial, option. you know, because it's new to us. Like we mm -hmm. haven't experienced it yet. And that's where we're talking about power. Like power mm -hmm. traditionally has been in the hands of those with privilege. Even when you look at the amount of wealth statistically in our nation, black people have only had 1% of wealth at any point yeah. in time, whether it's one and a half a percent of wealth now that means we're not used to wealth like we're not used to power and so as we get it as we're moving to it we are still learning to navigate these waters and so i think it's important that we're having these conversations with people who have been there 
who have done that to help us understand uh, how to navigate, um, how to focus on, all right, this is how I need to set up my business, whether I'm setting it up as an S-Corp, as an LLC, as a, a, a sole proprietor. Like, we need to be having those conversations because yeah. um, the reality is right now we're just not. And then the last thing mm. I'll, I'll quickly say, back to this SEL space, again, it's major institutions, major universities that are pushing in to these curriculums. And so how can, you know, little guys like myself who's building and expanding, how can we tap into those resources? Mm -hmm. um, do we take an approach of like, hey, you know, it's cool if y'all share with us or are we like Tupac, like knocking in the door, like y'all gonna give yeah. us like what y'all owe and taking it into our own hands? Um, I don't have the answers, but I think that's something that we need to have this conversation yeah, on. Yeah, um, it's yeah. important. It's important. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, what was very helpful for me last year and what introduced me to yourself one way or the other was was having a mastermind group as well. And, and however that group got started, I don't even know how I got invited. I think I don't even know. I don't even remember. But having a collection of, of five or six uh, people, in this case, it was education, entrepreneurs, I also had a black male mastermind with, with myself, my brother, a friend, and a cousin, and, and having that opportunity to have the conversation, to be open and to share those experiences helps you really build. And that's where, you know, just shifting our mind from deficit to asset. I think if we could start to think of, like now, you're coming from a place of privilege. Because like, if you look where your granddad came from, shoot, I, I'm living high on the hog, as, as your grandfather may say. Or you're, you're, you've, you've gone so many levels up. And it's crazy because just that one bit, the one piece that your father went to college gives you such a, that gives you a, a, a compounded interest boost up to the next level, potentially. You know, So I think your, your ethic and what was instilled in you to get there helped to bridge that gap. And, and that kind of leads to um, one of my last questions. What do you think it is about you? Because um, you are so passionate, you're so convicted, you have such a drive. What is it about you that stands out as, as in a strength or your mission that is, is going to help bridge this gap? Yeah, man. And um, I'm happy that you're, you're talking this assets-based language. Like I, I'm a huge proponent of a strength-based approach, which focuses on the strength of people, shifting away from this deficit way of thinking. Um, I often say we got to shift from what's wrong to what's strong with students and mm. with ourselves as well. Um, and I'm a huge proponent of utilizing the Gallup Strength Finder Assessment to identify your top five strengths. One of my top five strengths is what's called a maximizer. And so I'm always looking to maximize the, what I see as unlimited, unlimited potential of people. And whether that's students, whether that's in staff, whether that's in, in myself, everybody who I work with, how can we maximize the potential of people so that we can tap into that yeah. in everything that I'm doing. That's how I'm approaching the work. One of my second strengths is achiever. And so that means I'm going to work relentlessly working towards achieving whatever goal that I have. Um, and so that's, that's just who I am. That's, that's my makeup mm. and everything that I do, I'm going to work relentlessly towards, towards achieving those goals. Um, but it starts with me understanding who I am and my strengths, then tapping into that so that I can actually work towards my goal and work towards getting the best out of, uh, out of people who I'm working with. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. And, and, and you, I don't know what you got going on, but whatever you're doing is working. And, thank you, thank you. Um, all the work that you're putting in is, is recognized and it's seen, I've, I've seen you for a year and haven't said anything. So there's, there's people that watch you, there's people that you inspire, 
this great work that you're doing and, and it makes me happy. It, it makes you. me happy to see someone else that looks like me that that's talking the way you're talking. And, and that, that's one of the blessings of, of being able to have this kind of podcast here and, and a blessing to hear, you know, just your voice and all you're doing. So, you know, I, I just want to say that to you there because I appreciate that. Um, and, and, and that means a lot. So can continue that good work. What else is there that you haven't said tonight that you'd like to that you'd like to say or share with those that are listening? Yeah, just the last thing. I um, mean, I'll leave it with what well, well, one of my, my my good brothers from college says. Man, just keep putting out your mixtape. Just keep putting out content. Um, that's especially for, for people like me, for people like yourself. Um, people need to hear what we have to say. Yeah. Um, things might get difficult or challenging. We just have to stay persistent, stay consistent, and also staying relentless in what we're doing um, because our, our students deserve it. Um, our communities deserve it. Um, and it's up to us to continue pushing this work forward. Mm, mm, I love it. I love it. And, and before we do go, tell the people where they can find you, what platforms are you on um, and what kind of help are you offering to folks? Yeah, absolutely. As my son is here. Look, it's, it's bedtime, man. It's That's bedtime. Right. That's it. all right. Um, yeah. So uh, people can hey. find me on social media at Lessons for SEL or at School Psych Life on Twitter. Uh, visit my website, www.lessons for SEL. I'm going to have a ton of resources. But of course, the curriculum is there as well. Love it. Love it so much. This this won't be your last time, Byron, that you get the invite, man. I'm, I'm so excited to, to hear from you and get to know you a little bit more. I can't wait for the people to hear this information. So if you like it, please share it. Go visit Byron. Um, follow Lessons for SEL. There's great work. He's adding value. It's consistent. And, and you can hear what he's got going on. So thanks for listening to the Dash Podcast. Um, you can check us out at seleducators.com. We've got adult social emotional learning curriculum that's brought to you in autonomous, accessible, continued education formats. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash. Thank you, sir. Awesome.